Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number, should you wish to be a part of this year program, is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I need to delve back into the story. Oh, you know the story. Let me set the stage for those of you who are new to this. Two days ago, 48 hours ago, Nina Totenberg, NPR, she is the longtime Supreme Court reporter for National Public Radio. She had a hand in helping Anita Anita Hill. She is uh, a very well-known partisan of the left. The conservatives on the court have long been suspicious of her. Conservatives in general have as well. She's pro-abortion. Her sister, Amy Totenberg, was appointed by Barack Obama to be a federal judge in Georgia. She is of the left. So is Nina. Nina has a lot of left-wing sources, and Nina ran a story claiming that Neil Gorsuch refused to wear a mask at the court even after John Roberts had asked the justices of the court to do so on behalf of Sonia Sotomayor, who is a horrible diabetes and is in poor health. And he refused. She was joined by a guy named uh, Mark Joseph Stern, who instantly his wife works at the Supreme Court. Uh, He began to attack Gorsuch. Then Ruth Marcus of the Washington Post also attacked Gorsuch, all of it about the mask. Now, Ruth Marcus, you know, the editor of the editorial page of the Washington Post where democracy dies in darkness, Ruth Marcus was there and would know if she actually was there, as she claimed to be, that other justices weren't wearing masks when they asked questions. Gorsuch didn't wear a mask at all. Other justices took their masks off during question time. She never pointed that out. So you got these three hits on Gorsuch. The big one comes from Totenberg, that Neil Gorsuch refused to wear a mask even though the chief justice asked him to. Now, this story went viral as as stories can possibly go. It was a big deal across the media. Tragically, anti-mask insanity has now reached the highest court in the land. Neil Gorsuch is prioritizing his right to be a tool over protecting Sonia Sotomayor's life. Gorsuch loves COVID, which makes him the perfect, perfect Republican. He thinks very little of coronavirus precautions. Gorsuch has the nerve to refuse to wear a mask indoors while seated next to his colleague who's vulnerable to possible death from a highly communicable disease. Where's the collegiality? Where's the common sense? That just seems ridiculous. Can you put a mask on to be polite? What kind of workplace is this? It's not hard. Justice Gorsuch had to know that this would become a public controversy. Um, And so I think he did this as a branding opportunity. What's up with Justice Gorsuch? If all of the other, including all of the other conservative members of the court, are willing to go along with this, why not him? Every other justice is masking up, even Clarence Thomas, who doesn't seem to care about anybody. But nope. Not Gorsuch. He could not be bothered to extend a life-saving courtesy to his co-worker. It not only displays a lack of basic civility as a co-worker, but also a lack of humanity. While Gorsuch's behavior here is pretty disgraceful, I guess it shouldn't be that surprising. A prickly justice, not exactly beloved, even by his conservative soulmates on the court. Confirmation of what we all already knew. Whatever you think about mass, Gorsuch, who sits next to Sotomayor at work, just decided to be a dick to a colleague. Neil Gorsuch, shame on you. Shame on you. Why is it 
that so many conservatives in public life who claim to be such pious Christians and obsess over morals and decency are actually awful, awful people. My first reaction was to think what a mean-spirited, almost ghoulish person Neil Gorsuch is. And it, I mean, this literally goes on for another 30 seconds. That That's the American media. The American media that lectures us on misinformation and disinformation. Every news outlet except Fox News seized on Nina Totenberg's story. There's just a problem. It's not true. Nina Totenberg's story is not true. Now, you should know National Public Radio is standing behind Nina Totenberg's report. They refuse to retract the story. But Sonia Sotomayor and Neil Gorsuch came out and said the story is not true. They used the word false. Reporters said, well, this is obfuscating because their statement says Sonia Sotomayor did not ask Neil Gorsuch to mask up. Uh, the story says that John Roberts asked him to mask up. So we're standing by the story. This is a non-denial denial. So then John Roberts released his statement and said he did not ask the justices to mask up. And NPR is still standing behind the story. So all three people involved in the story, John Roberts, Sonia Sotomayor, and Neil Gorsuch, all of them say the story is false. And they all three use the word false. And NPR is standing behind the story. I have a theory on what's going on here. Gorsuch must be playing a role influencing the Dobbs case. The Dobbs case is the case that could reverse Roe versus Wade. You really can't possibly believe that progressives at the Supreme Court who are totally in on Roe would not try to sabotage a Supreme Court majority that threw out their precious abortion, would you? I mean, Sonia Sotomayor, Neil Gorsuch, John Roberts, they all deny the story and NPR is staying behind Nina Totenberg. I suspect... Someone at the Supreme Court told Nina Totenberg the story. And Nina Totenberg trusts her source at the Supreme Court more than she trusts Sonia Sotomayor, Neil Gorsuch, and John Roberts. And so they're standing behind it because of her sources at the court. But what if her sources have an agenda? It's very possible for sources to have an agenda. What would that agenda be? Well, what dominates the press coverage of the Supreme Court? Abortion. What's before the Supreme Court right now? The Dobbs case. What happens if the Supreme Court comes back on that case uh, with the conservatives in the majority? Roe v. Wade dies. So if Neil Gorsuch is either the author of the decision or behind the scenes is exercising influence to steer that decision, you want to begin the character assassination on Neil Gorsuch to try to make him radioactive to the other justices because they know that members of the court, particularly John Roberts, he's revealed this repeatedly, are swayed by press perception. So if you engage relentlessly to make Gorsuch radioactive, you may be able to pull this case down. You may be able to get uh, Amy Coney Barrett and John Roberts to distance themselves from Gorsuch and tone down the Dobbs decision. Listen, who helps write these decisions? The law clerks do. By now, they already know the justices vote the week of hearing the case. 
So they've already voted on how they've decided on the Dobbs case. Right now, they're shaping opinion, and they're, and they're trying to build coalitions. So we know it's 5-4, it's 6-3, it's one way or the other. So now they're writing their decisions. So the law clerks at the court of the left and the right already have the outline of the jobs decision. They're just continuing to structure it. They're building persuasive arguments one way or the other. They're not immune to outside conversation on how it should go. So along comes Ruth Marcus, the editorial page editor of the Washington Post, Mark Joseph Stern of Slate, and Nina Totenberg, and all three of them begin separate attacks on Neil Gorsuch all at the same time on this mask issue and it's denied by everyone and they're all sticking to their story why you've got to ask yourself why would these reporters do this when all the people involved deny the story they do it because they're agenda driven but it's more than that Gorsuch has got to be playing a role in getting rid of Roe versus Wade Gorsuch has got to be on the side of getting rid of it, and he's either got to be the author of it or behind the scenes is building a coalition to take charge of the decision. That could very well be the case. Remember, uh, it, it, it seems very likely in a number of cases, including in the case that upheld Obamacare, it seemed very clear there that uh, Anthony Kennedy was the person who was writing that opinion, and the liberals persuaded John Roberts over to their side through a pressure campaign in the media. And John Roberts went their way and wound up writing the decision. And the decision was weird. If you read Anthony Kennedy's decision, it read like he was writing the majority decision. And yet Roberts wound up writing the majority decision, but it was Roberts's opinion. And then four left-wing justices who agreed with him on the outcome, but not on the way he decided it. Clearly, there was opinion playing there that pulled him over. This is probably happening with the Dobbs case. There probably is a concerted media effort out there from Totenberg, from Ruth Marcus, from Mark Davis, or from the rest of the press corps targeting Neil Gorsuch because Gorsuch is behind the scenes building a coalition to either take over the Dobbs case to get rid of abortion, or he's writing the Dobbs case and they're trying to pull Amy Coney Barrett and uh, John Roberts away from him. They're playing to the crowd. They're playing to pressure. They're trying to apply pressure to the court to politicize Gorsuch, to make him radioactive. So they know if Gorsuch is the one who releases this decision, well, Gorsuch doesn't care about anyone. He wanted Sotomayor to die. He doesn't care about women. You can't possibly side with him. The three justices involved in the case of the, of the situation at hand with the mask have all said, use the word false, that it's false. But the media is standing behind the story. You have to ask yourself why. When you ask yourself why, you have to understand that abortion politics is the chief driver of how the press covers the Supreme Court. And if all of these people who care deeply about abortion rights are attacking Neil Gorsuch, for a story that's not even true, Neil Gorsuch must be playing a role in shaping the Dobbs decision. Whether he has it, most people say, well, the Chief Justice would either take it himself or give it to Amy Coney Barrett since she's the woman, wouldn't give it to Gorsuch. 
But what if Gorsuch wrote a concurrence that is now becoming the majority decision? And they're rapidly using a press campaign to try to peel people away from Gorsuch's concurrence that is now shaping up to be the majority opinion, even though he wasn't assigned the case by Chief Justice Roberts. That happens. It's happened before. And that seems to make the most sense to me, why these people would risk their credibility on a story that's been thoroughly rebutted by all the people involved, and they're doubling down on attacking Gorsuch because they know what's coming. Roe v. Wade, unless they're successful in their pressure campaign, is going to go the way of the albatross or the dodo bird, I guess I should say. Roe v. Wade is about to be reversed by the Supreme Court, and they're doing everything they can to rough up the refs to make that not happen. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch, and you're thinking, eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer. We actually have Bull and Branch sheets, and yes, they are an ad. Yes, this is an ad, but yes, I really am a customer. I only like to do ads for companies that I really like, and I love Bull and Branch. So does my wife. My wife actually heard the ads, and she wanted to try the sheets, and now they are the sheets in our house. Bull and Branch does not cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften, and they only use 100% sustainable raw materials. They're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your bowl and brand sheets as they feel against your skin. They are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great. And every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at BowlingBranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's BowlingBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, if you're in charge of a small business and you need to grow, they can help you. They've been doing this since the early 90s. We're talking large loans, 500000 and up. But if you need to buy a building, build a building, buy a fleet of vehicles, something big for your business, and banks are telling you no, they want to help you get to yes. Spend just 10 minutes with them. Tell them I sent you. Go to firstlibertyga.com. You'll get their contact info. Wherever you are nationwide listening to me right now, they can help your business. Firstlibertyga.com. You know, um, on this this Supreme Court stuff, I told you the other day that there, an Edelman survey, Edelman's a big PR firm, and Edelman, uh, he uh, they do big surveys, global surveys. And the Edelman survey of 30,000 people said that the trust in the media has cratered. Trust in the media has absolutely collapsed. Uh, 67% of people say they no longer trust the media in Western nations. This Supreme Court situation is an example of that, uh, that nobody trusts the media and the media lacks self-reflection. And, you know, I've talked to a number of reporters who behind the scenes say that uh, they're deeply frustrated with their own profession. They're deeply frustrated because 
the they they genuinely believe the media is needed. I believe the media is needed. I think a, a free people need a free press. And they like, I believe, that the media has destroyed its own credibility. So there's a story out of Florida that a uh, official was fired for mandating vaccines. And that story was grabbed by the New York Times and, and the Washington Post and others to make the point that, aha, you see, you see, Ron DeSantis is insane. He can't be president. He can't be trusted Governing Florida, firing someone who wanted his employees to get a vaccine. Mark Caputo is the reporter who dug into the story he's based in Florida, and it turns out that the public health official who was fired had been accessing the private health records of employees inappropriately. At least appears that's the case. But it's not as cut and dry as the media framed it as he was fired for mandating vaccines. But actually, it appears most likely he was fired for in for digging into employees' health records without having permission to do so. That's a big difference. Big difference in firing. But the media can't help itself. The media in this country is not free. The media is hijacked by a progressive narrative and they can't and won't break free of it because they've become part of it now. That is actually the, the most troubling part of all of this is that the American press corps doesn't even realize it has a problem. The American press corps is poll driven, poll, particularly the political press. The political press runs major stories about polling. I mean, I started the show today with all the headlines the AP poll, the NBC poll, the ABC poll, the CNN poll, the Fox News poll, they've all got polls, and those polls shape their coverage. Those polls shape what they cover. So here comes a major respected public relations firm, Edelman, does a global survey on trust in the media, shows that trust has cratered. Two-thirds of the public doesn't trust the media, and they blame Republicans and Fox News. There's no willingness to self-reflect. There's no humility. Now, listen, uh, I, I, I I joke about it. I, I, I say I'm the most humble person I know, uh, somewhat flippantly. Uh, there's a role to play in humility. Uh, and people who can exercise humility tend to be a little more respected because someone who has a little bit of humility is willing to say, I, I got it wrong. Or they're willing to move slow. A lot of people want to be first, not accurate anymore. The humble person moves a little slower, doesn't get there first, but gets their best. And our media institutions view humility, as, as so many people in politics do too, by the way, view humility as a bad thing. And they're not very humble. They can't admit they were wrong. They can't acknowledge it. Look at NPR. You've got everybody involved in the story about Gorsuch saying it's not true, and they're standing by the report that says otherwise. They lack humility. And when you lack humility over time, you lose people's trust. This is the same thing with public health officials. Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci has lost the public's trust because Dr. Fauci is not a humble man. Dr. Fauci is unwilling to admit he was wrong, and he speaks with certainty about uncertain matters. And people no longer trust him. He does more harm than good. Humility is definitely something we need to deal with in this country and talk about. Now, when we come back, I do actually want to get into the audio.
from Joe Biden's press conference yesterday. My gosh, the man. I, I got a note from a friend who said he was handling himself well. That was before he started floundering and stepping in it, and it wound up being a disaster for this president last night in Washington. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC-877-973-7425. If you follow me on Instagram at EW Erickson, I put up the clip uh, of the, the Simpsons clip followed by the Biden inaugural team clip. I just find it hysterical. Hello, I'm Tom Hanks. The U.S. government has lost its credibility, so it's borrowing some of mine. If only we're brave enough. Brave enough to live through two of the most difficult years many of us can remember. <laughs> I can't believe they did it. I just, I can't believe that they would do something like that. I, I mean, let's let's be really honest here. I, I mean, I, I'm a, a Tom Hanks fan. I like Tom Hanks. I think he's a great actor. He definitely, we don't share the same politics. But my goodness gracious, um, I just find it flipping hysterical that they would grab hold of this and, <laughs> and run with it. Oh my gosh. Oh boy. Okay. 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 We, we actually got to get into the press conference now because it was genuinely something to behold uh, enough on his remarks. Well, you know, let, let's, let's get into it first with Van Jones on CNN after this lengthy, lengthy thing, but very clear there, Van, very clear Yeah. on Kamala Harris. Listen, and- and, and, I, and I appreciate that, and I think a lot of Democratic voters appreciate that. That's, that's the one time that you don't want to give any a fuzzy, foggy, let me tell you a long story answer, uh, clear and direct. Uh, they are a team. He's staying together. Um, they're going to they're gonna fight uh, forward. Um, and look, I think that part of the reason that answer stood out so much is because some of the other answers were kind of foggy and meandering. I think you just have to be honest that – you can be a, a foggy, meandering a president, say like Reagan near the end, if you're winning. But if you're foggy and meandering on key questions and you're also not winning, uh, then you've got a real problem. And so I think the real challenge that you have is the numbers are out there that are bad. But this party has got to come together and start putting some wins on the board for this president. Uh, they, they, they either got to start. They're going to either hang together or they're going to hang separately in the fall. Uh, yes, he's right. Uh, he's right about the fogginess. And yeah, you, you know, apparently there is a thing out there. Some some of the voters don't like the attack. Some of his voters don't like the attacks on Kamala Harris. He's very clear. You put Vice President Harris in charge of voting rights. Are you satisfied with her work on this issue? And can you guarantee, do you commit that she will be your running mate in 2024, provided that you run again? Yes and yes. Expand. Pardon me. Do you care to expand? On no, there's no need to. I mean, you know, I asked okay. the question. He, she's going to be my running mate, number one, and number two. I did put her in charge. I think she's doing a good job. He thinks she's doing a good job. Uh, good for him, doubling down on that. But you know, that's what they always say. Until that's not the case, and then this was his misstep. Oh boy, Vladimir Putin and Ukraine. I'm not so sure that he has uh, David I'm not so sure he has uh, is certain what he's going to do 
My guess is he will move in. He has to do something. And by the way, by the way, he goes on to say minor incursion, no big deal. Um, This didn't go over so well. Here's CNN. You've spoken exclusively with Ukrainian official about Biden's comments. What did they tell you? Well, I mean, to say, Erin, that they were displeased when they heard those comments would be an understatement. One of the officials that I spoke to said that he was shocked when he heard President Biden uh, draw a distinction between an incursion uh, and an invasion, and to suggest that if there was some kind of min- min- minor, rather, incursion uh, into Ukrainian territory, uh, then that would be treated differently and elicit lesser sanctions than a, a major invasion. It's, it's, it's not the kind of nuance we've heard before. It's certainly something Ukrainian officials say they've never heard spelled out to them, although I understand it's that kind of sliding scale of sanctions, depending on the seriousness of the Russian action that's being discussed uh, privately. And Savannah Guthrie had to bring this up with uh, Vice President Harris this morning. Ukrainian officials uh, reportedly heard these words from President Biden with alarm. I know the White House tried to clarify it uh, and clean it up afterwards, but was the damage done? You can't unring the bell. Is Vladimir Putin likely to listen to a later statement from the White House press secretary or the words of President Biden? I will repeat myself. And I'm Vice President of the United States. Oh, my God. And the President and I work closely together, and I know his position because he has been consistent in that regard. If Vladimir Putin and Russia takes aggressive action, it will be met with a cost that will be severe. That will be severe. If he does anything, it'll be severe. I'm the Vice President of the United States. I work with the President of the United States. Oh, my gosh. Uh, how insufferable uh, can you be? Here, oh, my Who Who could watch that and think that came across as well? It came across. Oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, more. This is this is Joe Biden, and he can't seem to get a good answer on inflation. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I wanted to ask you about the economy. As you said earlier, Americans are feeling the squeeze yeah. of inflation uh, oil prices have, have been at about a seven-year high recently. How long should Americans expect to face higher prices when they're at the grocery store, when they're at the gas pump? Is this something that they're going to see into the summer, into next fall? Or, and, and separately, you, know, you talk about the importance of the Fed, but isn't that an acknowledgement that you're limited in what you can do if, you, if, if, if you're relying on the Fed to make decisions and you're unable to get a Build Back Better proposal through, aren't you simply limited in what you can do to deal with inflation? Well, look, uh, as you know, Ken, um, the inflation has everything to do with the supply chain. And uh, I think what you're seeing is that we've been able to make progress on speeding up the access to materials. uh, for, For example, one third of the co- of the uh, uh, increase in cost of living is the cost of automobiles. The reason automobiles have skyrocketed in price is because of the lack of computer chips. So we have the capacity, and we're going to do everything in our power to do it to become self-reliant on the computer chips that we need in order to be able to produce more automobiles. That's underway. We've already passed within the context of another bill. Uh, money for that in the uh, in the house of representatives before the house of representatives now 
But I think there's a way we can move to, if we can move to get, for example, that one thing done, it can make a big difference in terms of the cost of, the total cost of, of living. So you, you got that cars and, and chips and all that, that's causing inflation, but also COVID, he wants you to know. It's actually COVID that's the problem. We're not there yet, but we will get there. Now, the second challenge we're facing are prices. COVID-19 has created a lot of economic complications, including rapid price increases across the world economy. People see it at the gas pumps, the grocery stores, and elsewhere. So here's what we're going to do. A critical job in making sure that the elevated prices don't become entrenched rests with the Federal Reserve, which has a dual mandate, full employment, and stable prices. The Federal Reserve provided extraordinary support during the crisis for the previous year and a half. Given the strength of our economy and the pace of recent price increases, it's appropriate, as the Federal Chairman, Chairman Powell, the Fed Chairman Powell has indicated, to recalibrate the support that is now necessary. I respect the Fed's, the Fed's independence, and I've nominated five superb individuals to serve on the Federal Board of Governors men and women, from a variety of ideological perspectives. They're eminently qualified, historically diverse, and have earned bipartisan praise. And I call on the United States Senate to confirm them without any further delay. Uh, so he's shifting some blame. He's muddying the water on inflation. He doesn't want to accept any responsibility. It's not very leaderly. And then, by the way, speaking of not being very leaderly, they talked about the voting package. You know, when democracy died last night. Listen to this. And that's what I'm going to be spending my time doing in this off-year election. You mentioned Republicans and reaching out to them. Some Republicans who may be open to major changes on voting rights, for instance, like Mitt Romney. He says he never even received a phone call from this White House. Why well, not? I like Mitt Look, Mitt Romney's a straight guy. He's, uh, He's a straight and, guy. One of the things that we're doing, I was trying to make sure we got everybody on the same page in my party on this score. And I didn't call many Republicans uh, at all. The fact is that um, there, I, I do think that Mitt is a serious guy. I think we can get things done. I think I, I predict to you they will get something done on the electoral reform side of this. But um, rather than judge what's going to get done and not get done, all I can say is I'm going to continue to make the case why it's so important. Did any of you understand any of that? I, I, I feel like I need the Billy Madison clip that, that we're all dumber for having heard that answer. How is that any sort of answer? That was, that was, that was, so I, I like Mitt Romney. Um, it, it, I'm just I'm 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 flabbergasted by the stupidity of that particular answer here. I mean, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. 
I, that's the most appropriate clip to play after a, a answer that essentially boils down to, I did no outreach to Republicans to try to shape a compromise on voting rights. He did nothing, nothing. And the result from all of this, from all of this wasted time, over to you, Sam Stein, liberal reporter. And Sam Stein, uh, this morning, Political Morning Consult has new polling out on Biden's first year. What does it tell us? Well, it's we, we asked uh, respondents to give him a, a letter grade. Um, and the reason for doing that was not to be cheeky about it, um, but to get a measurement of just what the uh, actual attitudes were. For instance, if it's all B's and C's, people think he's doing an okay job, but maybe could do better. What we found was a little bit alarming for Biden, which is a lot of people gave him an F's, and that's a measurement of just how much hatred uh, there is for him, especially on the right. 69% of self-identified Republicans giving him an F grade suggests that this isn't just antipathy towards Biden. It's, it's, um, it's, it's much more than that. It's much more emotional. The thing that really jumped out to me is when we measured it on the issues, uh, and we asked for uh, letter grades, on the issue of unity, um, which is, this is Joe Biden. I mean, like, let's not overstate. This guy is not exactly the most, you know, uh, he's not a progressive. He's a moderate. He, he is a unifying figure, I think, objectively or tries to be. He got an F by 40% of the public on that grade. I mean, an F on unity. He didn't even try to reach out to Republicans. He did not even try to build a bipartisan case for any sort of voting reform. None. All of his signature initiatives, dead. He got infrastructure passed. But you know what? That infrastructure plan, a lot of it was stuff that the Republicans wanted to pass when Trump was president, and the Democrats filibustered it. So it gave Biden a little bit of a win, but that's about it. It's not what he wants to run on. I mean, he wants to run on a lot of stuff he couldn't get past, including doubling down now on Build Back Better. This is a disastrous, disastrous administration. It's it's mind-boggling to me that we've come to the end of his first year and all of the accomplishments he wants to run on are the things that he did not get past. I want you guys to accomplish something. I want you to go move your cell phone account to Patriot Mobile if you can, because they're a Christian conservative company that supports your values. You get great discounts from them, and they use a portion of their profits to advance the conservative movement. The left right now is pouring money in to fight for their side, pouring money in to advance their cause. And we got to step up on our side. And one easy way to do it is to use a great cell phone company. Now you're thinking, what, what is, I've never heard of this company. They're, they're cell towers. They use the towers all the other companies use. All the towers you see out there on a daily basis, Patriot Mobile uses those. Congress passed a law. It gives companies a right to do that and start cell phone companies to compete with the big guys. And they've done it. And you can choose your, your, your cell service. You get voice, you get data, you get 5G, you get all that from Patriot Mobile. They give you discounts if you're gun, if you're an NRA gun guy, if you're a teacher, if you're a first responder, if you're a veteran, and they use their profits to fund the pro-life movement, the Second Amendment movement, all great conservative causes, and you get free activation with my name. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or, or you can call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT. Hi there. How are you? It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number, should you wish to be a part of this year program, is 877-973-7425. Now I need to explain to you why some of your flights are getting canceled. By the way, 
I just, I, I want to say this. This may upset a couple of people, but I think American Airlines is a garbage airline. There's a report out today that on a flight from uh, London to Miami, American Airlines turned the plane around an hour into the flight because someone wouldn't wear a mask on the plane. Everybody has to be vaccinated on the plane. Everybody had to have a COVID test. And they turned it. They didn't just wait to get to my eye. Just what a ridiculous. I'm just, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of American Airlines. Never have been. Nonetheless, I digress. Not really about American Airlines here. This is about airlines in general. A lot of flights getting canceled. Some getting canceled because of COVID. But a lot of flights, British Airways is canceling all flights into the United States because of 5G. Now, I, I've mentioned this before, but just so you understand, there actually are, this isn't really a flipping point, there's no humor here, there actually are a lot of planes that are being canceled. So planes have altimeters, and the altimeters use radio waves to figure out how low to the ground they are. And there is a serious concern of the FAA. The FCC, Federal Communications Commission, says there's no reason for concern. The FAA is in a peeing match with the FCC over this and says there is a concern. So older planes have altimeters the FAA believes might have interference with 5G wireless on what's called the C-band. It's a spectrum of radio waves that can now be used. It's kind of like the the, the Goldilocks point. You can use ultra-wideband uh, or a millimeter-band spectrum of radio waves, and you can get 5G. 5G is a cell service that delivers data as fast as Wi-Fi, if not faster. And there's millimeter band in a lot of cities, and it moves very, very fast. And then out in the country, you have a different band of radio waves, and it delivers it fairly slow. The C band is right in the middle, so it doesn't deliver as fast as in urban areas, but then those urban areas, you got to have towers every couple of hundred feet, little bitty transmitters. This, you can have uh, wide open spaces and get really fast data. The problem is the FAA thinks it might interfere with the altimeters. Newer planes don't have to worry about it. Planes built in the last few years have altimeters that aren't affected, but a lot of airlines fly older model planes and they really are worried that these planes won't be able to figure out how low to the ground they are and so they're canceling lots of flights around the country. And internationally, a lot of international airlines are canceling, canceling flights into this country. The FCC and the cell phone companies say this is a nonsensical issue and they're deploying the, the 5G. So if you're having a lot of canceled flights, it's not just COVID anymore. It's also cell phones, 5G. It's not just tin foil hat conspiracy theorists anymore. It's 2022, and guess what? Nothing still makes sense. The whole world seems to be going crazy right now, and banks have gotten really skittish at helping small businesses. They're perfectly happy to help the giant businesses, but what about you? You're a small business. you got to buy a building or build a building, or you need a big loan for a fleet of vehicles to grow your business, and the banks are giving you a hard time. Check out my friends at First Liberty Building and Loan. They can help you nationwide, wherever you are, if you're a small business, and you need access to loans, let's say 500000 and up, 
First Liberty can do it. They've been doing this since the early 90s. The Frost family are friends of mine. They're committed Christians and they're great business people and they are committed to small businesses. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for them. They want to help you get to yes where the big banks are saying no. Nationwide, they can help you if you're a small business. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com. 